Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing you're helping give back to your community with your utility bills. Learn more right now at parkpower.ca. It is haranguing me because my technology is becoming more and more out of date. I wouldn't call it haranguing. I would call it insisting. So I have a uh, very old iPad mini that I use for assorted sundries, uh, I used to use it for watching videos, for example, which is no longer possible because the YouTube app is no longer supported by my iPad mini because it is that old. Safari sort of works on it for internet purposes. You're, uh, you're a solid like two iOS numbers back. Oh, yeah, for sure. At least two. And uh, Anita got me a gift card to the Apple store to get myself a new iPad uh, for Christmas. It was her big Christmas present to me. I've still not done that. And he still complains every time he opens his iPad. He goes, uh, it's not loading. Well, yeah. <laughs> Grossly overstating how I actually react to my iPad being woefully out of date. Because I use it for our, like, ad information and whatnot, because it's, it's easy and portable, uh, when we're recording... And it takes a little while for pages to load on Safari. Anita's like, you should get your new iPad. And I'm like, I will. The post-Christmas bills have come due. And I don't have the money at the moment to go and buy myself a new iPad. Even with the gift card, which did not cover the full cost of an iPad. Anita's given me a look. I'll give you such a look. When I put a, uh, a brief inquiry into whether or not my iPad could be traded in. They just laughed. They're like, <laughs> and they And they suggested I trade it into the garbage. Got Consumer like a stone processor in it at this point. Anyway, speaking of things that have become obsolete, it turns out so has Jebby in our chapter. <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get there, a brief recap of our previous chapter in which Jebby gets the itch to create, to stave off the doldrums of being stuck in prison, uh, draws an art all over the cell walls. Fever paints. Gets caught by Vey doing the art, which uh, is only perplexing to Vey because she had arrived to break Jebby out. And that leads us into chapter 14 of Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee. Want to know what I titled my notes this week? Sure. An escape plan. Sort of. An escape plan that goes wrong. Yeah. It's an escape plan. Sort of. 
I mean, it was a it was a plan, and it was a sound plan. It just immediately got derailed, mm, as as they do. Because Vey and Jebby walked into the dragon hangar to find Hafandin and all of the guards there. Yes, or like half of the guards, a mix. Yeah, a mix of human guards and uh, automata. Yeah, and Hafandin's like, "Hey, welcome. <laughs> welcome How you to doing? the dragon hangar. How you doing? I gotcha. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's a big gotcha moment." Jebby actually does have a uh, brief moment where several possibilities run through their mind. And one of them is, oh, God, did Vey betray me? Right? Like, did Vey lead me into a trap? But then they quickly work through how that's not very logical the same way that we did when we were kind of digesting last chapter. Uh, which is like, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. I was already in jail. <laughs> yeah. Why would you break me out just to put me back in jail? Yeah. Well, if you're going to kill me, just kill me. Why all the pomp and circumstance? That doesn't make any sense. Indeed. And Hefandon's like, so you're kind of problematic and you're kind of forcing my hand and you've more or less at this juncture outlived your usefulness. So I'm going to have the duelist prime here. Uh, fulfill her obligations to the ministry by executing you, and then probably just have her execute herself after because of this whole betrayal thing. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, because we still need that leverage over your sister, we put together this robot, Jebby. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Vay's staring at a Jebby bot. Yeah, well, Jebby's also staring at Everyone is staring at this Jebby bot that they've made. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Jebby and Vay are both kind of horrified by this, and Hefandon is even admittedly like... I get it's distasteful. Normally, we would not replace a person with a robot. That's, like, real gross. That's low even for us. But let's be fair. You're not cooperating, and you just need to pass muster from a distance. So if Bongsunga doesn't get too close, she's not going to know it's not the real you. The Ministry of Ornithology is real interested in scooping her up real soon. So we need to get you out of the way. We need to get your sister in here and try to untangle all of these connections she's got. Because it's turning out to be a big deal. Yeah. And Jebby's like, um, I'm not going to help you with that at all. And Fandon's like, obviously not. <laughs> well, what was he expecting? For Jebby to be like, oh, nah, all right, you win. I'll go do the art. The thing that... Jebby finds most infuriating about this whole exchange uh, is Hafandon's not even angry. Like, you'd think after all the trouble that he's been through, after the multiple attempts now for Jebby to try to break the dragon out and sabotage the dragon program, Jebby legitimately is frustrated that Hafandon's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. He is infuriatingly calm. Yeah, like, he's just not ruffled by anything that's happened. And continues to be like, I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, your actions are very logical to me. You just don't see the bigger picture the way I do. Because <laughs> I it's... haven't shown you the bigger picture that I have. Well, Jebby rightfully calls it condescending in this chapter. Oh, agreed. Um, Hafandon continues to treat them and Vey and pretty much everyone around them as children who are just kind of like disappointing their dad. That's kind of the the <laughs> whole vibe he has is just disappointed dad vibe as opposed to I am outraged by this betrayal. Like Jebby would actually feel better if Hafandon was flying off the handle right now and screaming at them and ordering people to shoot them. But instead he's just like, sigh, look what you've made me do. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's so frustrating for them. Also, 
I keep coming back to this in my head over and over again. Jebby is unwell. Oh, yeah. Like, Jebby is recovering from a severe beating. They have a fever. They're starved. They're injured, right? Like, Jebby is in the worst way possible. And trying to deal with all of this uh, scenario all at the same time. Well, the good news is Jebby doesn't actually have to do much in this chapter. Um, Jebby can't do much anyway. Yeah, there there comes a point where they're literally like, I wish I could just collapse into Vey's arms and have her carry me out of here. Yeah. Because I'm not doing well. <laughs> I think what Jebby actually wants is to collapse into some manner of hospital bed and be cared for and yeah. returned to health. More or less, yeah. <laughs> so a couple things happen kind of simultaneously. First off... Hafandin's uh, clearly still not fully aware that Jebby has a connection with Arazi because Arazi just like hoves up behind the group of men and no one really seems to take too much notice. But uh, Arazi, true to form as a pacifist, is like, um, I want to do something, but I don't want to hurt these people. <laughs> Which is fair enough. Yeah. Which does still not answer the question that we had from the end of last chapter, which is why Arazi didn't warn them that Hafandin had shown up. Right. So it must have, they must have rushed in just as Jebby and Vey were arriving. Yeah. Like the only thing I can consider is that Arazi didn't have time to warn them. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The second thing that happens is Vey is like, well, I'm not letting you take us alive and I'm certainly not going to have come this far and not do something. Mm -hmm. And Jebby's like, can you, take care of the masks on the automata, mistakenly believing that that will shut them down. It does not, it turns out. Uh, Vey does leap into action, kills a bunch of guards very efficiently and very quickly, and cuts the masks off of several automata, who then just kind of like meander off into the into the corner. They don't actually shut down, which Chevy finds rather surprising. Uh, but instead, they just kind of are no longer under control, I guess yeah, would be the best way to put it. It's more like uh, aimless meandering. Yeah. Sort of. They're... Except except they, with lack of orders in front of them, they just sort of find a nice quiet place to stand and just be still for a while. Yeah, but Jebby was expecting them to shut down. Yeah, and like, so this is, this is very much uh, a surprise to them. Yeah. But if nothing else, the automata are no longer a threat. At that juncture. Look, if there's one thing we've discovered, it's that Jebby isn't exactly an expert in automata. Oh, the closest thing to an expert that the Rebellion has probably at the moment, but... Which is still not an expert in automata. Indeed. So, Hafandin is the last man standing in the hangar at this juncture. And Vey is like, so I could kill you, but I'm not going to. Instead, you're going to ensure that we get safe passage out. I want you to swear. And then we're square. And Hafandin's like, you're not going to get far. Like, <laughs> no. Do you do you think that this will just will just let this pass? Like, we know a lot of what's going on with the rebels. Like, where do you think you're going to run to? And Vey's like, that is our problem, not your problem. And Hafandin's like, all right, fine. Here's the keys. You can go. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> not going to get very far. This is a scene I would like to see, uh, action movie style. I want to see Vey in action, because I bet it's cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple action beats in this chapter, and they go by very quick. And I think that's appropriate, because Vey is, like, a very fast duelist. Yeah. So. One does not get to be duelist prime without knowing how to use a sword. Indeed. And Vey has already previously shown that she is exceptionally 
skilled with a sword, having won that duel. Yes, exactly. We actually, uh, we touched on that off mic uh, after last episode because something had come to me and I want to bring it up now. You had previously asked, what was that duel about? We never really got a good answer for that. Not really. And I had come up with some speculation, which is if Hefandon has been suspicious of Vey for a while, that duel might have been an attempt to get Vey out of the way. Maybe. Hefandon may have engineered a duel with someone that he expected Vey would lose to in the hopes that Vey would be killed in an honorable way, thus removing her from the picture without having done something dishonorable. Almost like a two birds with one stone thing. Remove his duelist prime, who he suspects of being traitorous, and at the same time doing it in an honorable way so it also doesn't make him look bad. Pretty much, yeah. But then, of course, she won the duel, so... Yeah. I mean, that's pure speculation. We we don't know. No, we but don't. It, that's it, as far as I know, it was never stated. So. That's uh that's my my guess at But it's a, a reasonable speculation, if you ask me. So Vey unshackles Arazi, and Arazi promptly deconstructicons itself into a bunch of spiders. <laughs> deconstructicons. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it turns out that uh Arazi can fall apart basically apparently into smaller components to get around a little easier this is news to jebby (laughs) that is uh an incredible amount of bodily autonomy given to a machine yeah and all of the components are still arazi because they speak in a unified voice and they act in a coordinated fashion i like that jebby calls them spiderlings yeah and hates that they call them spiderlings because they don't like spiders yep and in the process of trying to escape, keeps dwelling on the fact that they're called spiderlings and has to remind themselves that there are more important things at hand than trying to find a different name than spiderlings. Yeah, but this also makes for a very convenient way for Arazi to get out. Yeah. Because otherwise Arazi is a large dragon thing. Yeah, super handy. Just break yourself off into a bunch of tiny little pieces. Yeah. And run. Scatter. (laughs) More or less. They, uh... Start making their way out of the facility, which is, as previously established, a bit of a maze. Mm-hmm. And well, probably, it's all identical hallways and bad yeah. fluorescent lighting, right? And and probably intentionally so, to make it harder to, you know, infiltrate. Yeah. And in this case, the exfiltration goes fairly well up until the rest of the guards show up. Which, I mean, Vey was like, yeah, Hafandon promised he'd let us go, but let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the guards are waiting to ambush us, and sure enough, they do. <laughs> go figure. I love this part. Jebby is like, well, we need to do something. And Vey is like, yep, I have every intention to. And the guard captain's like, you should just maybe surrender. Because like, if you hope to escape, you're not going to get past us. And Vey's like, hope? No. Plan? Yes. <laughs> and promptly draws steel and uh, goes to town. And Jebby is legit worried about the odds here and decides to do something perhaps rash. Okay. I would like to point out... Jebby is still operating in fever dream mode. And I mean, does do something with the intention of helping, which is to cause an earthquake, basically. I love this. Um, I love this so much. Jebby takes some of the pigments that had been smuggled out by Vey and mixes up some more in the hopes that it might increase the potency of it and paints some of the grammar on the wall in the hopes that it might, the magic might still work, even if it's not on an automaton. Yes. And it turns out it does. That magic flies and it causes the earth to shake, 
but it also causes the earth to shake much more potently than Jebby was perhaps anticipating. Because <laughs> it basically causes an earthquake. Yeah. Now, the Razani coming from basically Japan are much more used to dealing with earthquakes and are much more afeard of them. So the Razani are all like, oh, crap, and start to <laughs> evacuate. Earthquake! Ah, earthquake! Run! Ah, scatter! <laughs> Vey has actually been very efficiently winning the fight, but now has the tunnels collapsing on them. So grabs up Jebby and Arazi follows them out and they make their way out as the palace basically collapses. Uh, kind of. Not full on, like, destruction crew, nothing but rubble, but there's there is some damage there is some falling walls and and tumbling not boulders but you know what i mean right yeah, the Big chunks the hogugan don't live in a region that is as prone to earthquakes so their construction is not as earthquake proof right as the rosani capitals so this is, is a little more devastating than intended oh much more I and would i would say. argue extra scary that would be like us getting an earthquake yeah we live in the alberta albertan prairie basically we're in the middle of a tectonic plate we are flat land in the middle of nothing. The earth does not quaketh where we live. If we were to experience an earthquake here for some weird reason, it would be utterly devastating and absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So I can only imagine that that's what it's like for Jebby in that moment, even though they're the one that caused the earthquake. Again, they enacted magic that turned out to be far more potent than they were expecting. The plus side of it is that it seems to be a localized quake. I doubt Jebby just moved the earth, yeah. Yeah, th- that's what I mean. Like, it's probably not much further than the city block that the Summer Palace is on, I hope. But uh, that pretty much also ends our chapter with Jebby and Vey and Arazi emerging out of the tunnels of the secret lair yeah. of Armory. And I have so many questions still. I have so many things. This this short chapter that, that only covers a brief span of time has left me with a list of things that I want to know about. All right. One, the Jebby bot. I wonder what the actual plan was. Okay, they have a Jebby bot. They're going to trick Bonsunga. That's awfully vague. What were they going to do? Well, they needed to make Bonsunga pliable. And the only way to make Bonsunga pliable was they figured to threaten Jebby. So having Jebby in hand and threatening Jebby is the way to make Bongsuga cooperate, but Jebby has been uncooperative. So <laughs> they're replacing Jebby with a machine that looks like Jebby and can pass at a distance for Jebby, so Bongsunga thinks they still have Jebby. I know. I just, I that's, wonder... I think that's the extent of the plan. I do wonder about the specifics, though. Was there going to be, like, a ransom... Maybe were they oh, going almost to? Certainly not. I mean, at the very least, they were maybe going to offer to let Jebby go if Bongsunga cooperated. But Jebby, the real Jebby, was dead. Yeah, like, was, was the plan? Was the Jebby bot going to be bait? I don't know. I wonder, did the Jebby bot survive Vay's slashy slashy attack? Uh, the implication is that it was also probably targeted by Vay. So probably, but always you you always need a body, or maybe they didn't die, right? We don't know for sure oh, that I, the Jebby bot was cut down. I guarantee if that entire lab collapsed, that Hefendon survived. There's no way that he just quietly gets crushed off You screen. know dude has an escape pod in his office, right? That's got to be a thing. Um, this isn't so much a question as just something I really appreciated about this. That Jebby didn't have to play the, uh, the, the damsel in distress, in air quotes, role. 
right? It wasn't, I'm sick, I'm going to sit here and let Vey do all the fighting and save me. Like, even in the state that they were in, Jebby had something to do. Jebby had this cool sense of agency and basically created battle art. And I love that. Also, battle art should be a thing now. Well, I mean, it definitely is because Jebby just did the thing. That's actually the note I wrote. I'm like, did Jebby just create battle art? Because, cool. <laughs> that would be, can you imagine? Mm. A war fought with battle art? How amazing would that be? And now that we're at the end, they're outside. Great. Now what? What do they do? Do they try and find Bonsunga? Do they run? Do they reassemble Arazi and fly away? I'm super curious to see what happens now. My guess is they uh, reassemble Arazi and fly away because that's the most effective way to get out of the city. Is this even the end of the escape? Like, are they are they now on the run? <laughs> they are effectively on the run. Um, They're very I'm much say, on the lamb. I get that. I'm going to say that it's probably the end of the escape because there was just an earthquake and people are going to be more concerned with that. <laughs> people are going to be like, ah, earthquake! Scatter! So, here, my question for you, did Zakan just buy it? Oh, I don't know. We we don't know what became of Zakan after they got reprimanded for letting Jebby wander free. Mm. And uh, well, we Zakan know... is a guard, and Vey just killed a bunch of those. Yeah? Well, we know Zakan got in trouble, but that was also weeks ago. Yep. Hmm. I don't know. We may or may not ever see Zakan again. Hmm. Probably a side character, but in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, hope they didn't just kill Zakan. <laughs> Zakan was pretty cool, you Zikan, know, Zikan for just a bad guy. Zakan just wanted to drink and watch music. Right. Yeah. So simple. So yeah, this was, uh, despite being fairly short and, and quite action-packed, a really good chapter for uh, story questions, I suppose. Yeah. It's a good way to call it. I liked it. I'm into this book. Definitely uh, setting us up for the next act mm-hmm. of the uh, of the story. Yeah, because we're... Just about two-thirds of the way through. Yeah, that's about two-thirds, physically, looking at the book, where the bookmark is. So we still have a, a large portion of book left for adventure. Well, in theory, Jebby and Vey have to make contact with the Resistance, and then perhaps convince Arazi to help the Resistance, and then uh, drive off the Razani? Maybe? I don't know. Question mark? Or save, save the moon? I don't Ooh. know. I don't know what's going on. Oh, if this book up ends up on the moon, how cool would that be? Mm, they keep talking about it. Bunch of moon rabbits jumping around. Awesome. Anyway, perhaps we'll find out what their next move will be as we go into chapter 15 of our novel. You'll want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, um, Choice of School was obviously very important to Jebby, and uh, there are rival schools, and it's difficult to get into some of them, so kind of mirrors real life. Uh, but here in Edmonton, at the very least, uh, one of the ways that you can get to know a school before you or your kids go to it is to attend an open house, and the Edmonton Public School Board is hosting many of those right now online. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to an Edmonton Public Schools virtual open house. Ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs, and find the one that feels right. All from the comfort of home. Find virtual event dates and learn how to make the most out of your online visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. So yeah, Edmonton Public School Board virtual open houses. Uh, 
can find links to that right now at the Podcast Network website. That's albertapodcastnetwork.com. While you're there, you can, of course, check out other member podcasts. Definitely find something you like. Yeah, do some podcast shopping. You can also shop for them on your local podcatcher of choice, which is probably where you're catching our pod. You can give us a little rating and a review. Oh, we'd appreciate that. Be nice. If you're liking what you hear and have been enjoying either following along with us chapter by chapter or just binging a book after we're done with it. (laughs) We're not going to yuck your yum. Put us in your ears whenever you like. Indeed. Uh, You can, of course, also reach out to us online. Absolutely. Uh, We have a selection of social medias for you to choose from. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of them. You can also send us an email. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Now go practice some battle art. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.